especially nowadays, the move is that, you know, you should have a video for everything. As an audience member, as a consumer, like, yes, when there's a video for something, I, I tend to click on it more than if it's just a still picture. So I definitely understand that. So although, you know, it takes more time, takes more money or whatever, I think it's definitely worth it. And I think your audience can connect to you a lot better. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Algott, and in episode 254 today, I sit down for the second half of my interview with DIY independent musician producer Marie Shao. In part two, we chat about her foray into composing music for video games, what it's like to have her work featured in TV shows and commercials, and what that means for her business, collaborating and performing as an introvert, self-producing music videos, and why a video for everything is kind of a new rule, and why she chose Portland and not a more central industry hub like LA or New York as her home base. That and more coming up in episode 254. Stick around. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal Pro, the next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors. It's available on the iTunes App Store right now, and if you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character, make stronger choices, walk into the room confidently, and book the office, go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now, where you can learn all about the great new features in this newest version of Rehearsal and download it for yourself. It's a groundbreaking app, and it was designed by actors for actors, specifically around the process of learning your lines. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Hey everybody, this is Trev. Welcome to episode 254. It's just me this episode, but uh, we're hoping to have AJ back soon. Uh, just a quick announcement before we jump into this episode. It's going to be pretty simple today. We're just going to just talk to Marie. Uh, but I do want to remind everybody that we have this Headshot Express Day coming up as of this recording in just a few days. It's coming up this coming Sunday, October 23rd in Burbank, and it's kicking off at 11 a.m. So this is the last episode that's going to be published before this happens. So if you're listening to this before October 23rd and you'd like to take advantage of this uh, opportunity to add a, a great look from a great photographer to your portfolio, uh, email Adam, who is our photographer, Adam Emperor Southerd. Email him at bestlaheadshots at gmail.com. It's 100 bucks for one look. If you're an IAP member, just let him know. Hi there. <laughs> Got a cat over here. It's in Burbank. All the details are in the graphic on our website, uh, also in our newsletter and all over our social media channels. So if you're interested in taking advantage of this, uh, now is the time to act. 
So we also have a great bunch of uh, questions and comments to respond to in this episode, but I'm going to save them for when AJ is able to rejoin us. So without further ado, part two of my chat with Marie Xiao. Enjoy this and catch you on the other side. a lot of your music featured in uh, television uh, shows and things like that in commercials what what was the process like to get your work featured there I mean do you, do you work with a team or is there a service of some kind that you use or was this built up through relationships with producers how did that work out um, I currently work with a company based um, out in LA who do um, sync placements so I'm on the roster and whenever whenever companies reach out to them asking like, oh, like we need a song for this scene. What do you have? They'll, they'll kind of push it through and see how they like it. Um, yeah. And other times, uh, not as often, but, um, like the, the music agency of the television show will reach out to me and my manager and kind of ask them new questions and yeah, very, very happy to be working with, um, my team. Mm, Very cool. Very cool. And you're also, and I think this is so exciting, you're also getting into writing music for video games. Yeah. So I was just telling you before we started recording, I was just on your website and I saw this new little tab for video games and I went to it and you've got a playlist put together of, um, I guess, like sample tracks, like little shorter instrumental type things um, that people can sort of, you know, uh, test out in their their game designs. And that's really, really exciting. I, I read that you're, you know, you're a big gamer and I think it's, uh, it's really cool. So can you talk a little bit about, uh, the, the possibilities here and maybe how this became a, a focus for you? Yeah. Um, well, like you said, I've, I've, um, always kind of been a gamer. I grew up playing like Kingdom Hearts and, um, like the Sims, Animal Crossing. I still play Animal Crossing. I played it last night. Just like, um, I, yeah, I, I just love that world. I love being transported into, like, uh, fantasy places and, and things where you can kind of talk to people also. And anyway, mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. gushing about video games. <laughs> um, so I've always been a fan. And um, just recently I was like, why don't, why don't I merge the two? I love making music. I love playing video games. Looking at some of the scenes from my favorite games and I'm thinking – what I would want to hear while playing that game. And so that's kind of how I created those samples that you can hear on my website, kind of taking what the pre-existing soundtrack sounded like and then what I could do with that. If like, if someone wanted like a dreamy kind of sound, um, a sounding uh, music at this particular place of their game, then mm. like, this is what I would do for that. I'm curious, uh, you've got a great sampling of of work on your site, but what's the next step there? Are you working with your manager or another team to sort of move into this space? Um, Yeah, well, I I just went to um, PAX West, uh, this gaming convention, last weekend, and um, I, I printed out a bunch of business cards um, with you know my my website link on there where they can download the samples and stuff and so I I, I walked around and just introduced myself handed my cards and my manager helped making contacts 
with this PR company who helped like foster some additional relationships where I could um, meet potential game developers who need music mm. in their games. So um, it was it was just really amazing to be in that world. Like it just felt so right. Like I, you know, when like something happens and like your creative person is like, yes, like this is this is where where you need to be. And I totally felt that. And um, yeah, so the the next steps, I've just been reaching out to um, indie game developers who I admire, and you know, sending over my reel, and yeah, waiting to hear back. That is so cool, man. I I'm also a big fan of video games and especially the music. I have a, a really vivid memory of uh, beating Mega Man 2 for the first time in my life when I was like, you know, 11 years old. And the music at the end made me sob. Oh I just sob. There's like a picture yeah. of Mega Man like walking through a field in the different seasons and then like the seasons change and the music was so gorgeous. And I remember oh just God. sobbing. And I remember, you know, sort of a part of me observing me react to it this way and thinking like, wow, Trev, that's the power of music. Oh my God, totally. Yeah. The power of music and the power of video games. I feel like it's kind of an underrated me- like art medium. Yeah. Um, I yeah. kind of like kind of glaze over it because it's like, oh, it's games. But like, it's like interactive. Like you yourself are controlling a character. And like, it's, I feel like more, you become this character more so than maybe when you're watching a movie because like you're, you're choosing their actions. And so you become really connected and having that experience paired with like the right kind of music i feel like oh my god like it just gives me chill sometimes like mm, it's yeah. it's a really magical thing it's yeah it's so immersive and so it hits you on so many different different levels mm-hmm. um that is so cool and so you've got that's two sort of major uh, arms of your of your musical expression and the third one i want to talk about is a collaboration with henry bardot who mm-hmm. is a brilliant musician i i discovered his stuff shortly after I discovered yours. I'm not sure how I came across his Bandcamp page, and I didn't really connect you guys until I saw Perlo, which is your your um, your sort of collaborative music project. And you guys have a beautiful EP that came out just a few months. Uh, I guess it's more than a few months ago now. It was over the winter, over the mm-hmm. Christmas. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about that? About how you guys connected and what it's like to collaborate with somebody uh, in in a, a pretty. I guess like it, the the songwriting you guys do seems more intimately collaborative than maybe a typical collaboration. So can you talk a little bit about how this came about and what it's like to work with Henry? Yeah. Um, well, Henry had reached out to me like a few years ago um, and we met in New York and like traded music and we're like, Oh, this is like, we both were big fans of each other and we didn't start writing music though t- together until last year so when we're working on our ep because he is like other than being a great songwriter producer he's a great engineer and mixer and so he actually mixed a lot of my songs for my empty nest record oh um, i think that's maybe how i found him i saw i was looking at the production credits for some of your work oh, and i saw him uh-huh. yeah okay yeah yeah and and so after that we started writing together and it was a little tough for me at first because I always, you know, my comfort, the most comfortable writing situation I can be in is when I'm alone in a, in a room with four walls and a door that I can close. Um, like that's where I feel like I can kind of get to like the real stuff. Um, but Henry, um, 
is he's very open about um, ideas and melodies. And so he'll come to me with like, you know, a, a guitar um, progression and he'll be like, what do you think? What do you think? And so I've kind of like gradually been warming up to the idea of being so vulnerable in that way around someone else. So mm. yeah, our, our process, we kind of go back and forth between being like super like together writing all the time and we are trying this new thing now where um where we kind of produce slash write through via like email so like he'll do a line of like uh, a melody and the guitar strumming thing and i'll i'll take it into my pro tools and switch it around and and be in my comfort zone and and see what happens and and then we'll come together and then like actually write in person. So it's like a mix of, of both our favorite kind of ways of writing. Mm. I really love that. And I've always dreamed about having that kind of creative relationship with somebody where I could, we could just swap files via email or something mm -hmm. and just sort of, you know, remix them and then send them back and just sort of do a fun collaboration that way. So anybody listening to this that wants to do that, contact me. <laughs> love to be a part of that. Uh, very cool. So uh, you you play live quite a bit as well, uh, both solo um, and also with a band and then also with, with Henry as Perlo. So um, I'm curious because I know a lot of musicians who are more introverted. Uh, I love Imogen Heap. You mentioned her as one of your main influences and I mm -hmm. worship the ground she walks on. And um, I remember reading how she's so much more comfortable in her what she calls hideaway, which is her home studio. And she uh, finds touring to be um, not strenuous or stressful, but out of her comfort zone. So what is it like for you to play yeah. live? Um, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I'm, I'm a very introverted person. And so when I do shows, like, I, I just need to be alone afterwards. Like, some of my friends are like, oh, yeah, let's go out. Let's, let's get drinks and, like, go to karaoke and stuff and, like... <laughs> like that I just, just sang like, for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a no offense, but that's like the last thing I want to do right now. Um, because it's just, it's so stimulating. And like when you're up there, it's, I, I give it everything that I have. And so afterwards I'm like, I'm drained. I need to sleep and not think for a while. And so, um, yeah, but at the same time, it's like, I love it so much, which is weird to hear me say, because I am such an introverted person. Um, and I like to keep it to myself. I, I'm kind of shy. And so, um, I was, you know, <laughs> it reminds me of, um, the first time I performed for an audience ever was the, uh, the middle school talent show. And I remember when I put my name on the sheet, I was like, I looked at it and I was like, what? Like, Marie, what are you doing? Like, you are the quiet girl. Like, that's literally what people would call me in school. Cause I just wouldn't talk. And I'm like looking at my name, like, why did I do this? And then some greater force, some weird confidence that I didn't know that I had just was like, okay, you're going to do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I feel like when you feel that energy, it makes you do things that um, you wouldn't normally do. That that kind of, the book Quiet by Julia, not Julia Cameron. Um, Who's that by? I, I Do you know, know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know exactly. It's on my reading list. I've heard it mm. recommended by so many people. It's one of my favorites. And she talks about how um, when you're pursuing like your life passions, what you're, what you're meant to do, like it allows you to expand yourself like a rubber band. Like I'm still an introverted person, but I'm 
for some reason, I can be that kind of person on stage and I return to my normal self. Um, but if it wasn't for music, I would never, ever think about doing that. Uh, you, you work with a band, I think, sometimes. Do you hire them or are they friends or, or how does that work for you? Yeah. Um, when I was in New York, I was, I, there was this group of guys who um, I hired and they were great. Like they, um, they were able to listen to like the different stems of my music and just like play the parts. So I didn't really have to write them out or anything because I'm, as I said, very bad at theory. Um, but it was for the, I, that was the first time I ever performed with a band and it was so, it was so much different than when I was used to. I was like, like, I, I'm not holding guitar anymore. So like, what do I do with my hands? And I was just like, <laughs> right. at first, like very uncomfortable, but the more I did it with like, I was like, oh, like now I can actually focus just purely on how I'm delivering these words and these mm. lines. And um, so it was very freeing in that way. But I, you know, I like both of them. I really also love performing solo because it's, I, I feel like I'm in control of everything in, in the way that I feel most comfortable. Like I can take a longer breath here or a lo- like hold out this note as long as I want and like read the room, see what what I think would kind of hit them in the right way Mm, versus mm. with a band that, um, I didn't like start off playing with. So they don't know me as well as I know myself. There's pros and cons to both of them, but yeah, it's both fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. And you use like, um, loop pedals and things, uh, when you perform solo, I think to sort of be your own backup band. Is that, is that Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Man. Loop pedals is that's one of those things that I'm really interested in, but also scared of because I don't know how to use it. But I, I feel like it would be such a blast to sort oh, of accompany yourself. It is. It is. It's like, um, it's really like harmonies and reverb and like all those things. That's like my favorite thing. And so to be able to do that live is incredible. And I have a lot of fun. The audience has a lot of fun. Um, so. It's it's a good time, except when like <laughs> it's also very scary because it's all live. So I was playing this one show and I was using my looping pedal. Someone brought a skateboard to the show. I guess they like rode there on it, and it like I was looping and recording, and it this, the skateboard fell on on like the symbol of like the the kitchen, and I was like. Oh no, but, and it got into loop, but luckily it was like exactly in time with the music. So it worked out fine, but like, yeah, it can be a little bit scary sometimes because yeah, you never know what yeah. happened. Yeah. I feel like we, we talked recently on an episode, uh, I shared how I was like just terrified of improv acting. It just, it's one of those things that scares the crap out of me because mm. it's so easy to, you know, with improv, it's all about saying yes. You just, you like, that's the rule. You say yes mm-hmm. to everything that comes up. And I imagine with, with looping and performing live, it's like, oops make it part of the song and hope it doesn't like totally suck or, or is weird or anything yeah yeah definitely. so between your solo work and your i mean you've got some merchandise available on your website and, and you sell and stream music and stuff and then you've got perlo and then you've got video game music and you've got your live performances you're able to 100 percent support yourself on your music yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very lucky to do so. That's awesome. And have you ever had to? Uh, has it? Have you always been able to do that, or have you ever needed to work a side job? Um. Yeah. I've. You know, because I started at <clears throat> such a young age, um, I never really had to work a side job because 
I, I was still in middle school and high school, so like I wasn't paying rent. I didn't have bills to pay, so um, I was just kind of forming my fan base in a very comfortable environment. Like there was no need to like, I I gotta put this album out so I can make money. It was just like, oh no, I'm gonna put this album out because like it's really fun. And so I was able to um, get a really uh, supportive fan base that you know eventually started to buy my music and. Yeah, because of that, I'm I'm able to do it full time. That's so cool. Without getting into specifics, and you don't need to share any numbers or anything, but I'm I'm curious which uh, aspect of your work brings in, generally speaking, the the bulk of the revenue for you. Is it recordings and streamings? Is it um, sales of merchandise, or what is it? Would you say? Um, I'd say, you know, it depends. Um, when it's if it's you know iTunes versus Spotify, definitely like iTunes, definitely the the hard downloads versus streaming because um, yeah, as as you know, as in the streaming world, it's you know not 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 very not a fun place to be for artists. But um, but yeah, I'd say iTunes and um, also you know sync placements are wonderful. They they help a lot and. Uh, and performing also. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. <laughs> All three of them. Yeah. So it's a nice diversified sort of, and I hate, I kind of hate talking about it in business terms, but I think it's important to look at it from that, that standpoint, because, yeah, you know, it, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, you can't make art if you can't feed yourself. Totally. Totally. It's very important. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that whole streaming um, situation is a whole other conversation. Oh yeah. And I'm lucky that I'm, you know, I'm not with a label, so I do get, like a very like a larger portion than than an artist on a label would get. Mm, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm happy about that. Well, I, I think for iTunes downloads, I think artists take artists you know slash labels take away seventy percent or so of the of the total mm-hmm. money. So if it's a dollar for the song, they take home seventy cents. And right. for mm-hmm. for streaming, it's like I think it's just pennies per just stream. Pennies. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty so. much. Pretty much. Wow. Okay. And do you, do you notice a, a bump in um, downloads or streams after you play a show or after you have a, a song, uh, um, you know, placed in a commercial or, or TV show? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The sync placements are wonderful because um, they expose my music to a, a really big audience. And um, yeah, it's really helpful to go. Um, I, I distribute through TuneCore and you, you can see like, you know, weekly what what your your downloads and streams are like so i can see when there's been a bump in in sales very easily Hmm. and you can see that that almost always it's after somebody you know shazams your 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 commercial or something you see right right yeah and like my most popular tracks i think on spotify i think a song i had on Grey's anatomy uh, i think that's up there and like i think if i if it wasn't on Grey's anatomy i don't think anyone would listen to it that much so um it's it's really cool to see the effects of that. Was that uh, "Lift Me Up"? Um, no, that was actually a cover of um, "Fame." That oh I, yeah, yeah. That uh, yeah, that song. And um, I remember maybe that was three years ago or so. But I mean, I still have people writing comments like on YouTube or sending messages like, Oh, I just heard your song on that episode. And it's like, really, it's really great. I'm like, Oh, cool. Like it's still, it's still working. <laughs> it's so cool, man. That's, it's a little bit like that with acting too, uh, with it comes to residuals. Like 
I shot an episode of Bones, a really small part on an episode of Bones, mm. a y- mm-hmm. over a year and a half ago, and I still get fat residual checks for it. And I'm nice. like, this is awesome. <laughs> I would I know. love it's Man. weird. I feel like I'm cheating or something when I like, yeah. when I get that check. I'm like, what? Like, I didn't do anything. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I did back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. So for other musicians listening, would you definitely recommend they reach out for sync placements, getting their stuff placed on TV and commercials? Yeah, yeah. I think it's great exposure and um, pretty profitable. So I think if you can find a company that understands you and um, will work your material, I think, yeah, definitely I I had a company, I had some music put up on MySpace. This is how long ago this was on MySpace years and years and years ago. And and they reached out to me and they said, uh, you know, we would love to work with you and get your music featured in, in, you know, television and stuff. And Mm -hmm. it's only $400 a year to work with us. And I, I was kind of like, something doesn't sit right with me about Mm -hmm. that. Is that Mm -hmm. standard practice or is that, was that a scam? Um, uh, the company I work for, and I think most companies do, um, they take a commission of, or they take a percentage of, of whatever that placement was versus like an upfront fee. Okay. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I think that that's kind of the standard. Yeah, that seems like the standard. I mean, it, it'd be, in acting, it'd be a little bit like an agent charging you a yearly you know, fee instead of taking a commission oh, or an addition right. to. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I figured it was something felt sketchy about it to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but good to know. Good to know. So the last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up is uh, you, your self-produced video work. Because like I said at the beginning, I discovered you through this excellent TuneCore blog post that you wrote uh, where you talked about putting together the music video for Winterwell off of your, your second album. And uh, and it was such a cool video. And you edit yourself. You shoot it yourself. I know you, you had a, uh, an, a person that you collaborated with for that particular one. But so much of your stuff is just DIY, like I think in like your studio or your room. So can you talk a little bit about your process when it comes to that and why it's important? Um, yeah. I mean, when I first started making music videos or just cover videos like I did it myself pretty much out of necessity because I like I didn't know anyone else who would be able to do that for me within a reasonable budget so I just started doing it myself and I invested in like a like Canon T2i which I still use today I actually you know fell in love with the process of editing uh, videos and coming up with storylines and ideas now when I do music videos, I like working with videographers who can shoot for me. Like the shots that I see in my head, like I'll come up with a, um, a storyline and like have like, you know, very specific ways I want this to be shot. And then, and then go back and I'll do the editing. Cause I, I feel like I see a vision in my head and it's hard for me to sometimes like really say how I want it done. And I'm just, I have a, I'm, you know, a very DIY person. Um, like I, I love taking control of doing that. So that's just, it just works for me that way. Cause you know, at the end of the day, if, if I like someone's shooting style, like that's the best thing. And, and so I can use like their, their creative abilities for what they're good at best. And then, you know, use mine as in like storytelling, more detail oriented, like this shot needs to be here and here and here. So I kind of prefer that kind of collaboration versus like having someone shoot the video and then like 
not really hearing from them and having something and, and, you know, being a little bit disappointed and like, you know, I wish I kind of had a different idea of the way the scenes would be, would be laid out. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, And you use, um, I guess you taught yourself to use some editing software and I believe you use, or at least at some point used Sony Vega, Vegas. Yeah. mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. And do you still use that? Um, I, not anymore because I made the switch to Mac not too long ago and um so now i'm using uh final cut yeah but yeah you know like logic and pro tools they're like you know pretty similar Mm. yeah your your music videos are are beautiful and i think it's uh it's so cool that you take that extra step of making a video for some of your music whereas so many artists just throw up some artwork with the track on youtube and call it a day Mm. um have you noticed uh that those videos really have I guess served you in a positive way as opposed to just throwing up that artwork and that. Being yeah. Out. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, especially nowadays, the move is that, you know, you should have a video for everything. And I, I mean, as an audience member, as a consumer, like, yes, when there's a video for something, I, I tend to click on it more than if it's just a still picture. So I definitely understand that. So although, you know, it takes more time, takes more money or whatever, I think it's definitely worth it. And I think your audience can connect to you a lot better mm, when they yeah. can either see you or see something that you made as a, in video form than like a, a still picture. It just it shows that like you went the extra step. And I think they appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've read that 80 percent of people are visual learners. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we, we soak up information far more efficiently when it's presented visually than through some other modality. So that's mm-hmm. that's awesome. Wow. So full time musician uh, with several <laughs> different projects going on. Uh, this is this is really cool. The, the last question I want to ask before I get to our final two questions. So there's three more mm-hmm. three more questions and I'll let you go um, is uh, I think he says in your bio that you're based out of Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you grew up in Jersey. I grew up in Philly. So East Coast represent uh, spent many summers in Jersey. Uh, and now uh, I'm in L.A. and you are also on the other side of the country, more or less. So mm-hmm. so what prompted the move to, to Portland and, and why not uh, a, a more central musical hub like, you know, Nashville or something? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I having grown up in New Jersey and being so close to New York City um, when I when I was in New York for school, I, you know, that's one of the music centrals as well. And so I. I was in it and it was, it was fine, but I just like, I really didn't feel in my element. Like I really need nature. I really need to have like, to be able to look outside and see trees and, and go to a park that's close by. And so being in New York kind of was very, it was very helpful in that I realized what I needed to flourish. Um, and so, um, Henry and I were actually on, uh, on tour, I think, two years ago I was opening for um this uh artist Gabrielle Applin Applin. she was doing a west coast tour and so I was opening for her and one of the stops was in Portland and we were both just like wow like everyone here is really nice um and the city is like a very good in between of New York like crazy crazy like everyone just talking fast walking fast etc and like like somewhere, you know, more remote. So we're like, we should probably just move to Portland. And so we did. <laughs> we didn't really think about it much because it just felt so like obvious to do. And so, um, yeah, we've been here for, I think, a year now. And it was a little tough 
the first year of being away from home and not really knowing anybody out here. But again, it was like an extremely helpful learning experience mm-hmm. and like what I need to be creative, which I figured out is like, I need to have a room by myself and I need to um, like have a setup that's, that's easy to use. And I just need to be, have some alone time. That's like those things and I'm good to go. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So have you noticed, um, bonus question here. Have you noticed that, um, (laughs) that you don't, would you say you don't really need to live in one of these, you know, quote unquote hubs, industry hubs, uh, in 2016? I mean, cause there's, there's, you know, so much is done over the internet these days. Is it necessary to have a home base and a, in a place like LA or, or whatnot, or you're able to make it work in Portland? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, it helps as far as like a business standpoint to be in those areas because like you can, you're just closer to those companies and you can have more meetings and have more co-writes and et cetera. Um, but if you are like doing the DIY approach from your computer, it, it's just, it's very easy to do nowadays. And you know, you can do what you do in your house and then go touring those, those places and, and see those people. So, um, I'd say nowadays it's, it's pretty easy to do. Although I do notice like the difference in energy and in culture from New York to Portland. Um, just, you know, Portland's a little less energetic than New York city. And I, and I feel that way too. When I'm, when I'm here, it's like, my mornings are easier or quieter or calmer. Um, and that's neither, it's not good or bad. I, I think that in some ways, like I kind of take it easier on myself. So like mentally I'm better, but like maybe I'm not producing much as much material as I did in New York. Um, mm. but I think that it's also about like how you treat your work time and, um, yeah, it's just interesting to think about how how your workspace kind of influences how you work. Uh, you just prompted a question I, f- I forgot I wanted to ask, uh, which was, what does a typical day look like for you? Um, a typical day, I wake up not super early. I wake up probably like 9 o'clock-ish, and um, I, I really like cooking healthy breakfast. Like, <laughs> I love making, like, oat pancakes and, like... Um, like scrambled tofu eggs or something like that. Like that, I just, that's the best thing for me. So I'd probably do that. And then, um, answer emails, uh, fan mail, just like tend to that kind of stuff. And then I, I'll do probably whatever music work I need to do for about three hours and then take a break midday. Cause I find that like, I am like creatively pretty dead midday. And so mm. I kind of just take that time to like either like work out or like do something just like get my mind off of that and then I go in for another like three or four hours um after that and then call it a day unless like I'm, I'm a night owl I've always kind of been that way and so I feel super creative at night so you know in the case I like oh man I, I feel I feel the inspiration at night I'll like I'll stay up late but um that's, that's pretty much what a typical day is like Okay. Very cool. I'm always so fascinated to hear um, how other creative people work and where they find that their their creative times are and what their routines are and things like that. And it's fun to, um, I, I sound like an internet stalker, but it's fun to see on your Instagram, uh, you know, the different sort of 
things you'll do. You've got music po- pictures and then you've got pictures of like candle making. And I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> that's cool. Like you don't just do music all the time as a as a person, you know, like I mean, not you, but like, you know, I think we have this this tendency in our minds to want to really label people uh, as one thing. And it's like, oh, I, I just imagine this person in my head and all they ever do is is train to run track. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, I'm I'm the worst at that. Like, I forget that people are real people. And so like, I think when I look at myself a lot, I'm like, oh, no, like you should be working more. But and like, I feel really bad. But you know, like, <laughs> I don't think I think when people the way people present themselves are like almost always like a heightened sense of themselves. So mm, mm-hmm. like, yeah, the track runner is not like running all the time. Like they have lives too. Yeah. I think I forget that. Yeah. It's easy to forget. Um, so it's, it's really fun to, to follow, um, your journey specifically cause it's fun to see just the different things that you do that feed you that aren't necessarily sitting down and, and making music all the time. Mm. Um, so the final two questions, we asked these two questions of all our guests and I'm really excited to hear your responses, although you may have sort of answered them already. But the first one is, do you feel like this path, this career path, this creative path chose you, or do you feel that you chose it? Hmm. I feel like it chose me. Um, I, when I was growing up, I didn't really question anything. I was just like, I really like playing piano and it's here, so I'm going to do it. Like I, I was never really consciously making any choices. And so, um, I just kind of did whatever felt right. And I, I feel like it chose me in that way because I, I didn't really have to think about it much. Mm. Mm. Uh, and then the second question is, uh, if you could condense all of your experience, all your lessons learned, mistakes, uh, victories, all of everything, if you could condense all that down into one pearl of wisdom or nugget of wisdom to pass on to somebody also walking this path, what would that one nugget of advice or wisdom be? Wow. Okay. I would say um, to really listen to your inner voice um, and not to lose sight of that. And um, if you're really following what you really want to do and what you think you were put on this earth to do, then like goodness will come from it and just don't be discouraged. Mm. That's beautiful. Well, I can't think of a better note to end on than that. Um, Marie, if, if people want to find out more about you, uh, find your website, find you online, where can they go? Um, you can go on, um, my website is just mariemusic.com and you spell Marie like M-R-E-E. And, um, you can find me on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, if you're looking for music, um, and then on social media, I'm also Marie Music. So just as long as you type in Marie Music, you're fine. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Marie Shell, thank you so very much for taking the time to chat with us. This was very cool for me. And I know our listeners are, are, are going to get a lot out of it as well. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. Guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed this interview series with Marie Shao. She is a DIY independent producer musician, uh, but I think that her uh, her thoughts, her approach, her advice, her workflow, all of what she shared is really applicable across the board, regardless of what creative niche 
um, you may find yourself in. And what really resonated for me about this interview was was the the stuff about knowing what you need to be creative. And for her, she really identified it pretty early on that she needs nature nearby and she needs a you know a room with four walls, as she said, with a door she can close to kind of go into and be in solitude to create. And she also knows when her magic time is, to borrow a phrase from the Craig Ballantyne interviews, that time of day when she feels most creative and productive, and then also identifying equally importantly the times of days where she just knows she's kind of running on fumes and needs to go out and recharge. So a lot to take away here. I hope you guys connect with her uh, online. You can go to her website, as she mentioned, mariemusic.com. In fact, just type in M-R-E-E anywhere online, and you'll find her stuff on Spotify, iTunes, you know, Google Play, Amazon, all those places. And uh, she's all over social media as well. And sign up for her newsletter. Um, she emails pretty rarely, but... Um, good stuff to be to be found there especially when she's got like music on a commercial or something like that so it's kind of cool to follow that journey so that's it for this episode of inside acting i'm going to save picks of the week for a future episode when aj can rejoin us so uh, on that note i'm going to go ahead and get out of here today's episode of inside acting was produced and co-hosted by me trevor algott Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrek is our marketing and web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. Timothy Patrick Waterman is our director of public relations. Uh, me, Trevor Algott, edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. And Fern Lim designed our logo. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes. In fact, all of our episodes over at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. And if you do nothing else, a favorable review on iTunes goes a really long way for us. It's a lot like putting a tip in our tip jar, and it helps other people discover the show as well. Big thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best Voiceover Training four years in a row. And if you haven't heard, you can go to vo2gogo.com slash start to get a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. These are the, the same classes that I teach on a monthly basis. And you can start again at vo, the number two, gogo.com slash start. And also a big thanks to you guys, our listeners. You, At the end of the day, it's you guys that make this thing happen. So if you really dig this show and you want to maximize its value in your life and career and connect with a whole community of people that are also on this journey, and if you want to support the podcast uh, continuing to be produced, you can sign up as a member uh, and get cool perks. You get access to our private member community. You get invites to exclusive member meetups. You get fun freebies, special bonus content, discounts, and more for seven dollars per month you can visit insideacting.net and click on the membership tab to sign up as a member or you can make a one-time no strings attached tax deductible donation through paypal if you'd like just visit us at insideacting.net slash contribute to make that contribution and i know that we've had a at least a few people say that they're not really fans of paypal and would prefer not to support paypal by making a contribution to our show via paypal so let us know uh, what other services you would like to use or, or, or would trust. You know, between Venmo and uh, Squares, Cash.me, I think that there's a third one as well. I can't remember off the top of my head, but 
There's a few out there, so let us know if, if one of those you'd be more comfortable with, and we can set that up. And that does it for episode 254 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week. And in the meantime, get whatever you need to be creative. Creative.